episode 12. Lost episode 12, Lost on the River. We're back. There you go. Bill well, Kirby, what do you think about that? Well, it's, it's always a treat to be here, and I just e- hope that everyone is going to enjoy this episode as much. Every episode as is a small miracle. It is. Yeah. I would say so. you got to yeah. get a lot of people in wires and cords. and There's cords. you got to plug them in the right way. Yeah. you got There's buttons you got to push. We've got Not faders. Really. Yeah. Faders, you know, that's the technical term for that. Oh, boy. And thing. a cross fader. Yeah. Depending oh, on how you dress. Matt Spaulding on the faders. Hey, we've got a big one coming up. We do. This is a big one. This is a big one. This is a big one. We've yeah. got, uh, we've got, well, my goodness, we've had some, we've already had some, we were 12 episodes in, we've had some pretty big deals I'd on say. this show. Preeminent. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And this episode is no exception. No exception. King Session drummer, Philip Paul. Shut up. Played on the original... Train kept a rolling, uh, as well as a number of uh, uh, countless. One other, of the first rock and roll songs. Countless other hits, uh, and, and, and otherwise with King Records, and so he's going to be coming up. And uh, my gosh, it, it's going to be uh, fantastic. It is. We also have in the house Rachel DeRocher to discuss yeah. the Good People Festival happening on July twenty second at Baker Hunt. Okay. In Covington, so all kinds of good things. Now, what else does Rachel do? Uh, she supplies the world everything. with fantastic with Grateful Grams. Which, grateful gr- yeah. Why don't not, you guys give away o- too much? Why don't you take, I'm not take over? Pro, I'm a, not a pro. No. I just gave away the the lead headline. You're thing. supposed to bury the lead. And you didn't You didn't bury the lead. <laughs> right. uh, uh, Rachel, now, Rachel DeRocher. Rachel DeRocher. Matt can that later. Rachel, I believe the last time uh, I planned on running into you, I was telling my coworkers about it, and a coworker of mine told me, "You make sure to tell them that I'm addicted to their cookies." Yeah. So there you go. So welcome to the program, Rachel DeRocher. Thanks for being here, Rachel. I have to say, this is well. Thank you so much for having me. They just scooted me a little closer to this mic, which is kind of awkward for me because Matt usually makes me sit. Really far away. Sorry, Matt, Matt usually <laughs> makes you sit really far away from the microphone. Yeah, because I'm so loud. Now a little bit of context. You work with Matt on your own podcast, correct? Yeah. Our hey, producer Matt. Thanks for having me, you guys. Yeah. We're so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. We just came from uh, Arnold's Bar and Grill, the oldest restaurant and operating bar in the city of Cincinnati. Yeah. 1861. Uh, where they were where they were shooting some sort of uh, food program for the, the Travel Channel. Travel Channel, yeah. Rhonda invited us down. So Aaron and I like... Serendipitous. Great, like... Ran into each other. There. Just prior Mid-cocktail. to coming here for this show. Yeah. So we're we're pretty buzzed. Hold on. Now, we've Ser- had Serendipitous. So the next time I go into a bar and I see someone I know, I'm going to say, this is really serendipitous. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength. Well, but only if you're going to meet him later yeah. to record a podcast. On, Bill, it's not just oh, running right. into somebody. He's like know. arguing about Alanis Morissette's irony. Is it though? I know. I don't know. I don't think that's ironic. It's weird. Oh, boy. But All you have is a while knife. You and, that's while just you, bad luck. That's not ironic. While Ron- you and Rachel were enjoying ice-cold pints of beer at yeah. a very cool bar, yeah. Bill... Matt, the producer, and I, we were unraveling cords and, you yep. know. Thanks for getting this all set up so that yeah, we could yeah, just sure. walk in and be ready to talk. What we do best, right, Aaron? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank oh. you, Rachel. It's wonderful to, oh. to hear that. <laughs> thank you very much. Much appreciated. Um, Matt is a producer for us on our podcast. I'll just circle right back there, guys. Sure, I just yeah, did that yeah. little loop for I us. And your podcast is... Kitchen uh, Convos. So Matt and I powered through... 
six hours of conversation and we recorded the entire our entire month's worth of podcast all in one day. By the time the fourth people came in to record, I, I was like, hey, I love you. I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, but you got it done in one day. You didn't have to come back. Boom, done. Work guys. like a lady, guys. Come we don't, on. We guys. Work smarter, not harder. Guys. Well, Matt, why don't you share this information with us? We're able to cover Because he hated up. that, too. <laughs> Yeah, it also sucks. But yeah. it's it's really good. It was it it made it possible. Um, I hate the word busy, but like there's a lot of stuff going on. We're all folks with a lot of things, a lot of plates sure. in the air, and um, so doing it plates in one day consolidation. Like, yeah, it just helped. It made it feel feasible for us. We're in the process right now of regrouping. Is that a thing? Um, and just kind of seeing what the podcast. So so. A little bit. I have a company called Grateful Grams. Been making it. We just celebrated our eighth anniversary in April wow, of this year. It's amazing. Woo. Um, For people that don't know, it's uh, it's you, you call it a cookie, right? Well, or, but it's yeah, kind of not because it's, like, it's a, like a little bit different, but not. It's quite like a different. soft graham cracker. But there's no dairy, no eggs, no soy, no preservatives, no GMOs, and Vegan. no high fructose corn syrup. Part of the reason is... Is there any is, pork in it? No, nope. but they make... You should make a s'more with little pork, marshmallow, chocolate on our original Grateful Grams. I never Shut bring up this door. kind of stuff, but I have dipped them in barbecue sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> We've done bacon s'mores before for events. It's a good... They have a good palate... There's like a good range that you Thank can you. do with them. To good be fair, Elias has board. so much barbecue sauce, he dips everything in it. That's not true. It's true. <laughs> I don't want to know. You know how many times <laughs> I, I open the fridge and I don't actually sauce. have any barbecue sauce? <laughs> I never take graham crackers home. I know. I really, it's honest. It's I, Jim, my husband, will bring bags home and, and for the kids. But I started, um, it has none of that stuff because I have little kids, two of which are in the audience right now watching us. Um, but I wanted them to have a snack that they could read all the ingredients of, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was important to me. Um, and then I have another little company called the Incubator Kitchen Collective. We are the first shared-use commercial incubator kitchen in the region. And we support right now over 50 small food businesses wow. between our two facilities. So that's in Newport, Kentucky. Has Fantastic. cooking always been your thing? I mean, was it was were you a, a, a baker, a oh, chef a before? Story? So no, because it, it wasn't. Um my great grandfather started the country kitchen, so I think it was in my in our blood, right? Like we just know food. Um, my parents had a little pizza place called Rika's Pizza, and my mom still loves to cook a lot. My dad got out of the food industry and became an attorney. Thank God. Um, but yeah, it's good. So I remember Country Kitchen. They closed. The, they sold the franchise. I think at the top of it there was over 350 franchises. So going back eight years, you, you've got you've got kids. You you want um, to create a snack? Well, I that's... lost my job. Sorry, I'm an interrupter. Well, no, that's what that's what I want to know. Yeah. So what were you doing before? And you found your what... job making Grateful Grams. Yeah. Yeah. So I lost my job and. Had Rosalie, who's my only daughter, I've job three in kids. what? What were you doing? I was doing marketing. Okay. For natural food retailer. Okay. And um, it was the year that all the laundry was full. I was stay at home mom, first time ever. It was kind of wild. Had a kid and realized that I love 
being a mom, but staying home and just doing that, like it was, it's not my calling. I wanted to do more. And mainly because once. Do you hear that, kids? Rosie was born. Not enough. (laughs) When Rosie Rosie was born, it was that moment. If you could see the look on the kid's face. (laughs) Hold on, I'm trying to fix this. It's truly. Let me fix it. It's true. Goodbye. Goodbye, Twitter. (laughs) I kid, I kid. I hear our show getting canceled all over the country now. (laughs) It was that I needed to show her that she could do anything she could imagine. And like this idea that I could sit and tell her or I could show her. And so I chose showing, right? Like boots to the floor. Let's work and create something awesome. So it all started because I love the message of gratitude. And we say that we're a gratitude company that makes a cookie. We're not a cookie company that talks about gratitude. Like gratitude is everything that we're creating it. We're creating it in the graham crackers and in our incubator kitchens and at our music festival. And we even tied it into the good uh, kitchen convos podcast. And, you know, it's, it was funny. We would talk to all these people and then close it out with what are you grateful for? And not one person didn't stop and get emotional in that question, right? Because, like, that's the power of it. Like, all of a sudden, you've created space for a human being to, like, take a breath and think about something good. I was mad at you for weeks. I cried on air for that. Yes. So we, I, so your show was part of the genesis for this show. Thanks, because I, I had such a great time on your show. We had great feedback. You and I and just headed, we're a dream team. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I had a great conversation with you. And Matt was there eating graham crackers, stuffing his face. And uh, like that's what he's, he's doing, doing right now. That's what he's doing right now. Same. He, same look on his face. New hat. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Oh, uh, nice hat. So, Don't show Jimmy. Uh, and I had kind of had this idea of getting this lost on the river. It wasn't. We didn't have a name for it then, but just an idea. And then did the podcast with you and had such a great time. Thanks. And uh, it really inspired me to to get with Billy and say, hey, let's like let's get this going with with Herzog and and Lost on the River. And the content will be about music and Cincinnati and music history. And um, so here we are now, full circle, episode twelve, and and you're here with us. I and love it's that. really uh, thanks for sharing that. And so I'm grateful for meeting Rachel. And I had met you before. You guys had been to the <clears throat> the restaurant multiple times. And yep. um, if you guys don't know, um, they're the kind of family that comes out to shows and comes out to events, and they support things that have nothing to do with their own stuff. Um, so I'm grateful for you. Oh, buddy, I love you. <laughs> I want to hug you right now, but we're all mic'd up. But we're all there's all these <laughs> wires. Okay. Well, it would be like a weird table. sort I'm of Tron. I'm a good hugger. I'll hug you from here. Yeah. Okay. We can, say, should we go around the table and everyone has to say something? Hug each other. With, hug, each yeah. ch- hug each other with your eyes. Yeah, mm. I'm hugging you too mm, right now. I hug. <laughs> wow. There's a lot of hugging going on, Jim. Just turn. <laughs> He's, he loves me. He knows. <laughs> Jim's beard well, fell out. <laughs> <laughs> He's smiling so big. Well, coming from a marketing background yeah. and going into baking and cooking and having this, and I don't mean to sterilize it or make it seem cold, but you've created quite the brand through gratitude. And that I think that's a rare thing. We're all striving to create brands and whatever it is that we do. And yours is, your brand is gratitude. Which yeah. is just about the coolest freaking thing oh, I can I imagine. This. I mean, really. I mean, yeah, who, who? No one's ever. Yeah, no one's ever good, done that. <laughs> very ingenious. And so, how many? Uh, how many and, and it's not, locations? And it's not, it's, are, sorry, it's, it's not. You. It's not just 
It's not just lip service. It's not just, <laughs> you know. Uh, That's what uh, I was kind of getting yeah, at with yeah, them yeah. showing up for, yeah. you know, and exactly. being a part of the community exactly. and doing the podcast and having the yeah, incubator it, kitchen. You and live and breathe that brand through and through. It's not at all fake. It's totally real. I'm sorry. Thanks. Go ahead. No, no, that's it. It's yeah. like it's I'm like the most legit too, network Aaron. marketing, except it's not like Amway. Right. We need to hit the Good People Festival. And I also cool wanted to event. hear I also wanted to yeah. hear where if you could just list a few of the places that we can get Grateful Grams. Yeah, Grateful Grams is in 140 stores across the region. Wow. Um, we're in Cro- 89 Kroger stores. Well um, well we, we do all, everything in-house from making the dough to making the grams to packaging. Um, we work for, with a couple distributors um, that bearded man in the corner actually does all of that he actually left his full-time job in november and joined the team he runs the bakery it's the first time in eight years i've caught my breath i feel relaxed i am happy um it's really good it's really good so um we do about i don't know 10 to fifteen thousand grams a week wow that's a lot of grams it's a lot of grams that's so cool though that's so cool it is i remember uh, right when you guys were really getting going yeah i mean right that's what's neat i think about our region cincinnati northern kentucky we just there's a lot of really good people and there's a lot of really good people who do food and one of the things that i consistently see in our community is exactly what you're just talking about is that people show up like Mm -hmm. it's not this um oh you've got that going on good for you but like you've got this going on and what do you, can I help? What do you need? And, and it makes you like, right. Isn't that the beauty of building community, which I love, like let's saturate into all these things. If it, if you want it to be your show, that's great. But like, it's so cool over here where it's everybody's show. Like that's the power and like what we can create every single day. Can I tell you a story? Please tell me too. Okay. So we never talk about this. Uh, This show is, is hosted by two people who own barbecue restaurants. And we never talk about oh, who are they. So uh, when Lucius Q opened up uh, my restaurant uh, two months ago, I get a text at six thirty in the morning, the day that we're opening. Six thirty in the morning, I get a text from Elias, who owns Eli's Barbecue. Yep. And the text message was, "Hey, I'm free until two o'clock this afternoon. What do you need?" Yep. I will come paint. I will come clean. I will run to Restaurant Depot. Let me know what you need. Well, you know, it's funny. Aww, I think that's me, it. You're making me feel that, juicy. I, I tell said, that, bring I, your recipe book. I tell, <laughs> <laughs> I tell that story all the time because well, it's just a it perfect example media. of what you're talking about. You know, him checked. I like. I think that's it, right? Like, um, Elias is opening an incubator kitchen, right? Working on it. And people are like, what do you think? And I'm like, I think it's great. I think it shows how much our region is alive. Mm -hmm. And if we, as a community, can create ecosystems to support that, like, isn't that what it's about? Absolutely. I'm free until August if you need anything. (laughs) So, just kidding. (laughs) I will take you up on that. Believe me. All right, so let's Um, talk about... Talk about Baker Hunt and yeah. the Good People Festival, so, because now, how many years in are we with that? This is our fifth year. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. And tell folks what that's all about. So it all started, like anything, um, 
we were actually at an event, uh, Sailor Park Sustains. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure, as you guys all know, Ian Matthew. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Um, Ian was there and at the time playing for Buffalo Wobs and the Price Hill Hustle. And we were load- leaving that day. And I said, man, that was just such a good event. This place is full of good people. And he goes, man, we should have a festival and call it the Good People Festival. Well, It's a great name. Daggone it not, did I call him a week later with some plans? He learned quickly, like most of people do, (laughs) not to mention an idea in front of me because I love running with it. So um, that's really how it started. We wanted to have a one-day celebration of good people, like people that just want to come together, listen to music. Um, It's about the music, but it's also about the vendors, and it's also about – we. Tara from Robot Inside does the most incredible kids' area, like – one of the kids areas where you could like walk your kids over and walk away because there's so much to do. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. That. <laughs> no, we're parents. We like we're yeah, like no, no, cool. no. See, I'll right. see ya. Right, right. Um, no, I'm in. Yeah, and that is spon- The kids area is sponsored every year for Center Great Neighborhoods in Covington, so they're they've been supportive. Um, and it's kind of morphed. Ian's backed off. He sponsored last year with his with Party Go Round, but um, I've ran with it for the last four years. And to me, what the Good People Festival really signifies is the fact of how hard we all work, huh. how hard we all show up every day to like create really cool stuff. But like, how often do we show up to celebrate it? And so to me, the Good People Festival is this one day celebration of how hard the food people, the music people, the behind the scenes, the front of the house, all those people work every day. And so it really is the most laid back afternoon. Somebody last year said, this is the new summer fair. And that was such a compliment to me because I think it really captured what a calm chill if I can use that word still um afternoon that people just felt called to like be there and there was no rush to leave and we do it in the middle of summer y'all it's hot Mm. it's a great spot Baker Hunt is so cool (sighs) if you've never been there it is like it's really it's the most romantic it's awesome I used to live like almost next door it's so great. And, yeah. And there we use um in how like they have five houses on the property and it's all old growth trees, so it's shaded the whole day. Mm-hmm. Um we have stuff inside, stuff stuff outside, and it's just really awesome. And it's and and again, just like your uh just like the brand with the Grateful Grams, doing it for the right reasons and not about like, oh, let's figure out a way we can Sell tickets to something and make mm. some money. Yeah, it's free. just just putting people together and celebrating community. Yeah, that like I want to do that idea. all the time. Yeah, I I and people are like, well, how? Like even with the incubator, like oh, we could charge for X Y Z, and we could charge for all of that stuff, or like we can just work like, or you it, can be cool. <laughs> right. Thanks. Or you can just be yeah, cool. Like it all cool. somehow it all I shows like up. Yeah, you know? yeah, I mean, just like cool. Uh, you'd be and you would be amazed how far being cool can get you. Yeah, and, like, it, and the it, bills will just, get taken care of. Well, right, like and like it does. It all works out. It when you're in the business of just genuinely wanting to help people, mm-hmm. it all works out, and we just create really incredible things. Um, 
because of that. And so, yeah, the event is free. We get sponsors. Mad Tree, thank you very much for being a sponsor um, this year again. And uh, we rely on our vendors. You know, we charge them to be part of it. But we want to create just a really relaxed, fun, free day. I have to pull up my lineup because it's pretty I great. I was just going to ask. I'm glad you're working on that because um, that's going to be my I, next I question. Some. Yeah, it's good stuff. So July 22nd, we're yeah. pulling that up. July 22nd, Baker Hunt Museum in Covington, Kentucky. Yep. July 22nd from noon to 6. That's a Saturday, I assume. Sunday. Oh, it's a Sunday. Sunday afternoon. Even better. I think one of the things we do really bad in this region is we jam-pack everything in April and October every Saturday. Right. Like, you can't breathe. And we actually started it, and it was in October, and we had to move it because not that the competition, but, like, I don't want people to choose. Like, I want people to know, like, they've got this, and it's just a fun thing to do. Sure. Um. So fifth year, this is the lineup. It has not been announced anywhere yet, so you'll hear it here first, folks. Oh, my wow. goodness. Ding, Whoa. ding, 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 ding. Exclusivity. Uh, we've got the newbies. Oh. Nice. Chelsea Ford newbies. and the Trouble. Yeah. Yes. Ben Knight and the Well Diggers. Okay. Uh-huh. Young Heirlooms. All right. Stephen Williams. Wow. Maria Corelli and Crystal Peterson and the Queen City Band. I Holy cow. think you've put together a pretty good lineup. I yeah. did all right. Fantastic. Yeah. That was a close me? one. And for free? And for free. It's not You'll be there, free. right? It's not free. There's it's no free. Ch- there's, there's no there's charge no to get in. There's no charge for admission. Come buy beer, support our vendors. There you go. And you could short Schrodenfraud. Do you take donations? That's not free. So Can every you, like, year we've had a donation an, or anything? Um we've had a nonprofit be part of it every okay. year and so, so we sell raffle getting... tickets gotcha. and make a donation um again raffle. let's keep the donations the love the goodness yeah right mm-hmm. cool so. july 22nd wow. what a the good people festival fantastic lineup noon to six on a sunday afternoon in july at the baker hunt museum and uh grateful grams tell us where you can get more information on grateful is it gratefulgrams.com yeah it sure we're, is. we're it's www.gratefulgrams.com we're on instagram facebook all at grateful on snapchat grams i'm not g-r-a-t-e-f-u-l-g-r-a-h-a-m-s matt will link this in the show notes show notes he will now what do you think this is Thank Rachel. you guys so much. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, we should get you back on here sometime. Anytime. It's been fun. Yeah, love it. Thanks. Thanks Congrats on your awesome podcast. Well, oh, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah.
Our thanks again to Rachel DeRocher of Grateful Grams and the Good People Festival. Uh, looking forward to that event on July 22nd, noon to 6 at Baker Hunt Museum in Covington, Kentucky. And uh, now we're moving on to our next segment. And my goodness, once again, we are... Living legend. Blessed. Privileged. Blessed. Uh, to have a great here among us, a living legend, as Bill said, uh, Mr. Philip Paul, uh, one of the original King Records uh, session drummers, and, oh, I don't know, just one of the first drummers in rock and roll, I suppose. Yeah, I didn't know I was playing a little rock and roll at the time, really, just banging away on the drums, yeah. <laughs> and, and somebody said it was rock and roll, okay. <laughs> Teddy Stewart, do you know, remember him? Uh, Terry. Yeah. yeah. President of the Rock Hall. President of the Rock Hall, yeah. Yeah, I think he wrote a piece on you when... Yeah. Uh, That's when I thought... You were a featured guest at the Rock Hall. Right. And made some kind of statement that if there was a singular heartbeat and beat in rock and roll, might be by the man named Philip Paul. Right, right. And... uh I heard that, and I said, that sounds good. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> want to mention we're also joined tonight by Elliot Ruther of the Cincinnati Music Heritage Foundation, um, and friend of Philip Paul and kind of uh, our go-to guy for all things King Records and Herzog. So thank you both for being here. What uh, what a pleasure this is. What So you didn't know it was rock and roll. No one knew it was rock and roll. It wasn't being called rock and roll. What was what was your inspiration to even begin to play the drums? Well, uh, I come from a musical family to begin with, and I had an uncle that uh, John Christian. He's the kind of drummer, you know, he could twirl the sticks and come down right on the beat and continue playing, and he just uh, wowed me every time I went to see him play, and uh, he saw that I was interested in the drums and. Uh, he started teaching me. And you were how old? About nine. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that's only the beginning because uh, I didn't have any drums. And I don't know if you guys ever heard of the World Sick Company. Sure. It's, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. We had we had one around New York, around Harlem, where I, I was born and grew up. And uh, my father said, I'll, I'll invest in a set of drums if, you, if you're sure you're going to play drums. Now, well, the, 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 what we had was... Uh, you could buy a set of drums and you get ten lessons, and you, by that time you should make up your mind whether you want to. You're really sure. interested. My father said that's for me, because he said if, if, if you can't, if you decide you want to play guitar or something, I'm out of here. Yeah. Right, right. Because he wanted me to be a drummer, and uh, that's where it started. And he put me on a regimen. Uh, my father was uh, in the construction business. He'd get up and go to work every morning. And, he stopped by my room and he said, remember that passage you was playing yesterday? I want to hear it completed today. And that's the way he treated me. I had to report to him every night with something new that I, I thought about doing during the day or something out of the books or something. Oh, wow. So this so, is in Harlem, New York, and right. give us a uh, close year? Well, I was born in 1925, and... Uh, so that was thirty four. I could see your eyes counting them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> trying to do the math. I'm like, digga, 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 digga. <laughs> I got a C. I'm a C yeah. plus math student, so I'm I'm still not doing the addition and subtraction hey, right now. Hey, up to up to the last couple of years, I was kind of pissed when when somebody asked my my age, you know. 
But uh, it's been to my advantage to be this old. Yeah, well, really, because uh, people look at me and they say, I'm a, "I must be a miracle. I must be born again or something." You know? Well, it's inspirational because you know you want to see, hey, like, what do I got to do to to be to be in your position? Where, yeah. and, and and that's fantastic. You've so got more hair than I have. Well, <laughs> I'm wearing this hat for a reason. That's there, are, there are three people at this. There's four people at this table right you now. You add all of the hair. <laughs> who are all uh, in their 40s or less, and we all have less hair than you have. So well, that's hereditary. <laughs> that's a chill. Yeah. That's the chill factor. He's the drummer, man. He's back there counting time got, and I chilling. Got to have that. You know, you have to have that look. That's right. That's right. You got the silver fox going so you, on. So you're back in 1934, and you're playing drums, and your dad's on his way to work in harlem yeah as a construction guy and he's stopping by your room and he's giving you the you better get this down and it better be finished when i get back i'm building skyscrapers right and uh that's the the first gig i had uh my father belonged to a eureka lodge you know like they uh, buried their members you know when they passed away and so everybody, they might have an outing somewhere or something, but they really weren't professional musicians, but they had a big band and played beautiful marches. My father made sure I joined that, so I learned how to play in, in a military band, too. So he, I, I thank him today. You know, I wish he was here to see I kept his promises for him. And that was in New York, and so at what point and why did you come to Cincinnati? <laughs> Where were you playing in New York when, uh, was it Tiny Bradshaw that yeah. first was trying to pull you? Well, uh, not really. I was working with a big band, uh, Johnson, Bed Herman Johnson. I can't think that name. Anyway, it was a big band. Mm-hmm. I was playing the Savoy Ballroom. You ever heard the oh, soap? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Sure. And uh, during my break, it was two bands, so the band would play half hour or 45 minutes or whatever. And uh, during my break, uh, uh, Tiny Bradshaw came over and he said, uh, I'm, my home base is Cincinnati, and I'd like to have you as my drummer. My drummer is going to leave in a couple months, and I'd like to have you because I've got ideas of changing the sound of the band. So, I, you know, guys in New York say, yeah, 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 yeah. this guy's not going to call, you know. And we don't. We don't believe anything because it couldn't be any better in New York than it is. <laughs> right, right. New Certainly York, not in Cincinnati. Yeah, New York <laughs> is the place, you know. So I told him, okay, 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 man. I'll, we'll see what happens. And as you would know it, he called. I wasn't working at the time, and I was happy to, to say, yes, I'll come down to you. So I... Uh, Went home and told my mother and father. My mother and father said, where is Cincinnati? Is that, <laughs> they have running water down there? <laughs> they, have, they have ice, they have ice uh, sidewalks? <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I man. didn't buy you that drum set to move to Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding you. You think I'm saying this, the, uh, you know. No, I believe you. No, yeah. So uh, for a long time, my mother wasn't convinced that I was in Cincinnati. Uh, she uh, she waited until I made my first recording with Tiny Bradshaw, and I sent her a copy of this and said, Ma, this is what I'm doing. You know what she said? It sounds nice, but why are you playing so loud? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. And what was that recording? Oh, God. 
it was uh, uh, Willow Well. Okay. Yeah, that was it. So, uh, continue with this story. Uh, I, I had to get on the bus, a Greyhound bus with uh, drums. Can you imagine that? Mm. So, uh, well, I was a young guy then. I, you know, they put the drums I, underneath? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right, yeah. And uh, I had the covers and everything. I had a big bass drum. God, it must have been 26 or something, as high as this table, you know. And uh, I, I arrived in Cincinnati, and I went straight to the Cotton Club. That's where he was working at the time. And he told the West me. End. Yeah. 475 went through. Yeah. 75 took care of that. Yeah. Boo. Yeah. What yeah. what was that club like? It was fabulous. All all the big stars in the, in the business came. Duke Ellington. While I was there, uh Louis Armstrong came in. Wow. And this I met Louis Armstrong in New York. But uh he came and he was playing somewhere, I think Beverly Hills or something, and he came in and he uh Tiny Bradshaw asked him to would he play, would he like to play a song with us, you know? So he played a couple. And you know how uh, in Dixieland music, uh, they end the tune, then the drummer plays a four-bar break on the end. You know mm-hmm. sir? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So I said, this is my break now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I played the four-bar break. We played Summer Storm. And Louis Armstrong, I played it. And I played so I played everything I could. I, I learned everything I played. Things I played back when I was just beginning to play. I remember my rudiments and everything. And Louis Armstrong came over to me. He said, "Son, you play a hell of a drum, but play play it simple. Believe believe me, don't make it simple so we could understand what you're doing." I said, "Thank you," but that was an experience. Wow. I mean, you're coming up with, especially with that jazz focus with with drums, which you continue to this day. Yeah. I mean. Everybody can still catch you on a regular basis. Symphony Hotel at times. Hopefully yeah. the Cincinnati will be kicking back again, the Philip Paul Tria. But you, you come from that jazz background yeah. that right. moved into, I guess, that big band orchestra with Tiny Bradshaw. Was there like, how many folks were on that uh, house band? Like 12 about, folks? or About uh, eight. Eight? Yeah, but they, they work. We would have uh, two saxophone players, a trumpet player, trombone. Wow. Guitar and the regular rhythm section, piano, bass, and drums. So it was the closest thing that you could get to a big band, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, hard work, hard work. Uh, those saxophone players, I feel sorry for them. We would play a place like the Apollo Theater, and uh, Tiny Bradshaw would have him come out and play, and he'd do like this, and I mean, get down on your knees and play the saxophone. I said, what the hell is this? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, That's the awesome. people loved it. Mm-hmm. You remember Caledonia? Mm-hmm. Remember you remember that? Mm-hmm. You, you remember Caledonia? I do not. No. Well, uh, it's a <laughs> it's a it's a, like a blues oriented tune. Uh, Woody Herman made it. Okay. Yeah, but uh, Caledonia comes from Cincinnati here, and uh, she worked the Apollo with us. She brought the house down. And she, she gets quoted all over the place. Was, yeah. Whether it's that song to James Brown riffing on Cal Dill, I mean, like she she's a legend throughout. Yeah. And she was from Cincinnati at uh, yeah, yeah. Out of the Cotton Club. Yeah, she That's used wild. to come to come in the Cotton Club all the time. Yeah. 
But, so uh, now, was Tony Bradshaw? He, he brought you to Cincinnati, and you're playing at the Cotton Club. Uh, was King Records an immediate part of this as well? Like as soon as you came to town, that became. Not or did right that come away. later? Okay. I, I had to go out on the road and uh, prove to him that I could play his music because uh, it was like hard work. It's hard work, and uh, we worked like maybe five hours a night. We would play an hour and a half to two hours set, you know. And uh, when we got back to Cincinnati, he said, Philip, we're going into, to uh, King Studios next week and do some recording. I didn't even know what, what King Records was all about, but... Yeah. Uh, he said, I was on the contract to them all the time. I didn't want to tell you because I don't want to make you nervous, you know. <laughs> he said, but uh, I want you to play brushes on a tune that I wrote. Okay. So, you know, with 10 pieces and you're playing brushes, I said, what kind of tune is this? Because you need six to drive a band of eight pieces sure, or more, right. you know. Trumpets blasting, saxophone playing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the tune was soft. I don't know if you remember that. That's mm-hmm. one of Tiny Bradshaw's tunes. It became a hit. I played Brushes on her all the way through. And uh, we played all of the jazz clothes from here to, to San Francisco as a result of that that one tune. And uh, after that, we made five uh, albums. I had to play Brushes on every five, oh, four or five <laughs> of them. Why is it that does that happen? When you, you know you're successful and you... You, you make a hit, you have to go back and do five more. <laughs> then you should want to do something different, right? No, not that way. Sure. That's the plague of music. Right. Make mm-hmm. me the same song you made before, but right. make it different, but make the same. Better. better. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, we were very successful. And as a result, uh, uh, Sid Nathan, oh, my menaces, he would... Uh, <laughs> he was. <laughs> oh, he was a good guy. You say your nemesis? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He and I, uh, we have. Uh, I got a lot of things to tell you. I don't know. If we got the time. We got time. We, we have all the time. But where was I? <laughs> oh, uh, he, uh, as a result, uh, we we got a lot more work and. Uh, we just played up and down the road, and a lot of uh, musicians that I've heard of in my life, I got a chance to play with them, and uh, it's it's been great. The Tiny Bradshaw was a great man. Who was uh, producing those Tiny Bradshaw sessions? What's that? Who was like producing and engineering on those Tiny Bradshaw sessions? Uh, the guy's it? name was Eddie. It uh, uh, it could have been. Uh, the, uh, the guy that's get that's his picture around here too. Henry Glover. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And uh, we we did a lot a lot of things together. He uh, that was the one of the smartest things that uh, Sid Nathan ever did when he hired. Had Henry. Henry Glover. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How did you shift from the Tiny Bradshaw into doing more s- session work? throughout so many more of the bands and artists? Well, yeah, as you know, I played all over Cincinnati for years, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, that's where you get your experience, really. You have to come out and join the battle out here. You have to fight for jobs and uh, try to keep yourself current all the time. 
play what's what's being played and, and there's a thriving casino entertainment in northern kentucky at that time too is that right. where you're playing a lot of gigs in northern yeah, kentucky beverly, beverly hills well northern kentucky was a completely yeah. different scene back then too yeah you remember all the gambling places? I, I don't remember them, but I, I've heard the I've story. Heard the story. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Unfortunately, <laughs> we were born and raised in a more sterile time. Oh, yeah. Where we weren't. <laughs> we're not allowed to have as much fun. Uh, but but I, I work for a lot of uh, the, uh, the gentlemen over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they like me, too, because I... I would play their music, and uh, I always would have a good band, you know. But uh, they paid paid me for what I asked them to pay. And uh, there's one guy, one time, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. I was working in a place called the Plantation Club, and a uh, guy, big gangster over there, I remember him. And uh, he asked me to bring a trio in. I said, okay. And we went in, we went in playing uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. After Friday night, the guys in the band said, uh, Phil, are you going to get our money tonight? He said, you know, we're working over here with the gamblers, and, man, you might not get paid, And they, you know. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him. So I went into his office, and I talked to him. He, he said, yes. He said, I tell him, the guys uh, played, we play tonight, and we're going to play Saturday and Sunday, but we'd like to get paid tonight, you know, for Friday, you know, if you don't mind. He said, I don't, I'm not going to pay you tonight. You have to wait till Sunday. I said, well, I don't know what got into me. But I told him, I said, look, you're not going to pay us? We're not going to play. He looked at me. He said, you know what we do with guys like you? We drop you in the pond back there. And I really, I really, I don't know what got into me. I said, well, that's what you're going to have to do because we're not playing. He said, looked at me. He said, "You know what? I like you." That's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and uh, so you got paid. His friends, yeah. His friend, he paid. He had my check ready every Friday night. As well, he should have. Yeah. You get paid. Well, COD. I, I was trying to tell him. Yeah, that's you COD. That. You don't do yeah. it like that. Musicians get paid day yeah. of. You yeah. don't wait. Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna take back the music? I yeah. mean, what are you gonna yeah. do if you don't get paid? Go back to Friday night yeah. and jerk no. the music out of people's yeah. ears? Well, I, after I after I came out of his office, I almost I almost died. I said, "How did I do that?" Wow. And the guy said, "You the guys in the band said you did what? <laughs> you know who that guy is?" I said, "Man, I wish you told me. I'd show." Sure I wouldn't have said anything about getting paid tonight. I said, well, here's your money, man. That's right, though. That, that's fantastic. Strange. Yeah, this this business is... I'm I'm surprised that I lived this long. Really. Really, because uh, I'm a small guy, you know, and I, you have to speak up for what you want because if you don't, you're not going to get it. You know, and... Uh, Especially in the music business, I don't know why uh, we're so we're so vulnerable to chicanery. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's art, and so it's it's. I, I mean, this is just my theory, but it's art, and it's something that gets made in the moment, and then it's not tactile to where. Yeah. You know, and and a lot of times I think it's uh, you know it's. It's one-offs, mm-hmm. so you're going to play somewhere once, and yeah. whoever books and promotes the show can 
you know they they're holding all the cards, yeah. and unless you're a really really big name, and right. even if you're a big name, still the 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 venue and the promoter, you know, if they're not if they're not good people, then they leverage and take all they can. You know, I feel mm. like that's Which a, certainly happened a lot. Yeah, it's a common it's a common theme. It seems with musicians, all the musicians we've mm-hmm. interviewed, or anyone that I've ever known. You know, you're you're the art, you're the creative, mm-hmm. and you're the talent, and so because of that, you get yeah. picked, picked, and picked, and pulled, and you know, and well, uh, stretched. And I'll tell you what, I have changed my uh, feelings for the Cincinnati. You know, because they Cincinnati has treated me wonderfully, especially in the last ten years with. Uh, I'm on the board, of course, with uh, Xavier University mm-hmm. uh, to try to push this King project, and we finally made some headway, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, people have been wonderful. I can't believe uh, what they've done for me, you know. They've named the street after me. Yeah, right by they, my house. <laughs> they've uh, right over there in Walnut Hills. In fact, Evanston. This, this coming Saturday, uh, they're gonna have a beer named after me, you know. And it, it's it's wonderful. That's coming out of Listerman Brewing, right? Right. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'll tell that's you what. So cool. This this afternoon, this very afternoon, actually, I, I met a, a group of students from Seven Hills School. This afternoon, they've been all over Cincinnati uh, doing the King uh, and uh, and other music history stuff, and they came into this space uh, to take in a little bit of what I could share about the Herzog history and all of that that took place here. And uh, the look on their faces when I said, you know what, after, after you all leave, just a few hours later, Mr. Philip Paul is going to be coming in here to be part of our podcast tonight. Mm-hmm. They, you know, there was just so much excitement. They could hardly believe that they're that close to history oh, really? and to the beginnings of, of rock and roll and, and the King Records story and all of that. Yeah. But, uh, well, yeah. I've done my homework with the, the kids. I've put, gone into schools and told them about myself and history and try to teach them how to play and uh, for for almost 10 years now that's part of my my life uh, teaching kids how to how to play do what I do you know so why not sure it's amazing how busy you keep in connecting with generations in your young 90s I mean like <laughs> you're keeping active with across all sorts of schools doing gigs I mean from the special school of rock kind of performances with the kids to all the happenings in the schools. I can't keep track of it. How do you? (laughs) Well, uh, somebody said, Phil, will you do this or do that? I can't say no. A friend of mine, a newspaper writer, he said, Phil, you're going to have to learn how to say no to people. I haven't learned how to do that yet, though. (laughs) Somebody asked me to do something. Don't start trying now. Hey, I, I uh, <laughs> as a because it's a good thing what you're doing. It's a good thing. We, we had a we had a an event here at Herzog that we wanted to invite you to, and uh, I called you up on the phone, and <laughs> hello, and I'm like, hey, yeah, it's uh, hey, hey, Mr. Paul, you know, we're having this event down here at Herzog tonight, and we thought it'd be nice if you know we could call and invite you. Oh, and you said, oh, well, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. But my wife and I are headed to a big band show at York Street Cafe, so I've already got, got plans. plans. <laughs> I, I got plans. I'm doing stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. <laughs> I thought that was you so know, I, cool. I, I, I thought I that was you, so cool. I called you back that afternoon because 
that that engagement was canceled. Oh no! Yeah, the singer with that big band was ill or something, and he couldn't make it. Oh so man! We were going with another couple, and they called me and said, "We're not going because uh, the singer's not there." I said, "God!" I got on the phone and I tried to call you back. Oh, that's <laughs> what I get for not answering my phone. I'm glad I, I'm glad you mentioned that because that, I felt bad about that. Oh, man, but, I wish you could have come. It makes me feel – I have to do a better job. So I want to be honest. Like, I don't answer my phone a lot because <laughs> it rings a lot. Yeah, and got to be better about that because it might be Philip Paul calling. I know, yeah. and it was a burner. It was on my burner phone, and I. I <laughs> oh, boy. Not <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. We'll get that in uh, We'll get that. Uh, I'll tell you what. In. I'm going to jump in here. Uh, Mr. Philip Paul, uh, oftentimes we ask f our visitors to play, uh, perform for us here uh, on the program. Would you mind doing a couple songs for us tonight? Well, what am I going to do? I don't sing. That's up to you guys. Uh, well, we'll just we can have Elliot, you Elliot and Elliot. You. Yep. A little bit kind of impromptu, but let's do it. All right. Great. We are live, lost on the river. Wow, this is going to happen. At Herzog Studios with Mr. Philip Paul, Elliot Ruther, and Matt Holt. Yeah. Matt Holt, join on upright bass. Uh, All right. So, uh, Elliot, why don't you tell us what we're going to hear here? Uh, well, we're going to play uh, a couple tunes. One called Hallelujah, I'm Ready to Go Now. And uh, I have had the uh, honor of playing that with Mr. Paul uh, at a couple other occasions a few years back in this space. And let me say this, to play this song or any other song with Mr. Paul in the Herzog space and connect with his legacy here into this, in this time, in this like modern Herzog era is amazing. All right, let's hear it.
I'm walking to New Orleans, Memphis, Cincinnati. Oh, hand me down my walking cane. I'm walking to New Orleans, Memphis. Once again, Philip Paul, Matt Holt, and Elliot Ruther. Uh, tell us the name of that one, Elliot. What was that song? Hand Me Down My Walking Cane Blues. So what else is going on? I, yeah, I'm doing something else that uh, is new to me. Uh, the Playhouse in the Park, it's, it's, it's uh, engaged me into being in a play. Oh, whoa, yeah. we want to talk about you that. Did, did, I thought everybody knew about that. No, no, no. So tell us about that. Yeah. Well, uh, about six or seven years ago, uh, or more than that, I was working at the uh, Cincinnati, and this lady came in, beautiful lady, and she said uh, she was the director for Playoffs in the Park, and uh, she was interested in doing a play about me and Sid Nathan, the president. So uh, at that time, I've been approached so many times about the same thing. I said, uh, yes, uh, I could talk to you, but it's going to cost you. <laughs> really? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got to yeah. make a living? You know, because uh, she called me, like, after work. I'm getting ready to go home, and she wants me to sit there and, and talk with her for a couple hours and tell her about King Records. Can I pick your brain? 
Like yeah. that means that's like Latin for can I just soak up a bunch of free info from you? That's right. We live in the information age. I'm not building you anything for free. Yeah. But listen to this. She was so disappointed. So she went somewhere, I don't know, I guess ATM or something. And she came back with, uh, I didn't know this, but she said, uh, uh, Mr. Paul, uh, I have $75. Was that how? And I was so old about it. I said, yeah, that'll do. Oh, thank you. I was. I felt bad about that. But uh, I talked to her about a couple hours, told her all about Sid Nathan and the different things that had happened during the recording session and, you know, how, how much I cared for him. I knew his family. I went to his funeral. I was out on the road, came in to go to his funeral. And uh, so... We did a, she did a, a short play down in Wa- Washington uh, Park about six or seven years ago. And the people loved it so much that she talked to her board of director and they decided to make it bigger and longer and they're going to produce it this year. It's going to go into rehearsal in October. It's wow. going to start in November. And work all through the holidays. Yeah. Wow. Are you are you going to be in this? Or are you just I'm, a consultant? I'm I'm going to be there certain nights. But it's, who's playing it's the young me. Philip Paul? Yeah. Who's playing the young Philip Paul? You got an actor? That's a guy that's playing and sound just like me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Aaron wants that gig. I don't think you're going to get it. Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> so there's I ask. Aaron's been live, looking for work. Some live music and <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. at Playhouse. Right. That is phenomenal. So that's it's, happening in the fall. Uh, you said in the fall this is happening? Yeah, uh, yeah, in the fall. Well, that's going to be fun. Yeah. And uh, it's up. I got a contract, you know. It's not one of those. Uh, I'll see you that uh, on that date where your contract and everything is above board. So I'm well, I want to hear one more song before we wrap this up. But uh, tell us real quick. Um, what else are you doing right now? Are you still doing the regular thing at the Symphony Hotel? What's Where can people find you right I'm, now? Uh, like doing a little one night around town. I work at mm-hmm. the Symphony. Uh, and uh, like this Saturday, I'm, I'm working uh, underground down on the second, second Avenue. Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah. And uh, going to do a date Saturday with the same group somewhere out in the Lebanon or somewhere. I can't. I don't know. I let my wife. You got people to take care of that for yeah. you. Yeah. You got a manager. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Be- be- before we before we get even get into the third song here, we haven't even. I, well, obviously we've barely scratched the surface with Mr. Philip Paul, but let's talk about the train kept a rolling track. Oh yeah. Some of oh, the. Yeah. I'm, I mean, there's some household name stuff that you've been part of, and uh, and and tell us what it was like working on some of those tracks and being a King Records session yeah. drummer. Uh. It was fun sometimes, and then sometimes it was hell. And then because Sid Nathan of, would walk in the room. It, yeah, he, <laughs> he was he he sat up. He came to work early to to just sit up there in the booth and critique everything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was good, sometimes it was bad. Sure. And uh, one time we were doing. I know I've told this many times. But I'll tell you again. We was doing the twist, making the twist. You you, you were we, playing on the original twist. Yeah. And we uh, had no idea what what it was going to be. It was going to be that changed the way people dance. That changed the world. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we were playing, and uh, he stopped the music. Stop the music. 
and he came down and he came over to me and I had my drumsticks in my hand and he grabbed them out of my hand. I looked at him and I said, what you doing, Mr. Nathan? He said, I don't want you playing that. I want you playing. He said, I want you to play this. And he grabbed the sticks and, you know, fussing around. I said, give me my drumsticks. Yeah. yeah you know? <laughs> I said, don't ever do that to me. Yeah. You know, you're embarrassing me in front of musicians. Don't do that. So he looked at me and he he saw I was angry. So he walked around, turned around and walked back up in the booth, you know. And we started the twist again. And I played the very same beat that I was playing before. I said, there, take that. Yeah. He said, that's it. I, he said, that's it, Phil. I love it. That's it. That's the beat. <laughs> You're like, I already know that. Yes. It was the beat before. before. <laughs> and it will be the beat again because right. I'm the drummer. And you're not. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, though. It's good. It sounds like a good working yeah. environment. You got to have some push and pull, right? Yeah. Well, he liked to pick on me. I think he enjoyed it. Because he liked you. Yeah. He did. <laughs> we all pick on the people we love the most. Yeah. Absolutely. And now the train kept to rolling. If you could tell us a little bit about that session. Well, uh, if I could remember. Oh, well, uh, Tiny Bradshaw would would record a lot of things and include the band, like singing a chorus, you know. Uh, he say, train kept rolling, and you have all the guys in the band say, all night long, and it sounds like a chorus line, you know. But uh, he did that, and that's what really made that song a hit because he had vocals on it. He sang a little bit and played a little piano, but he was just like a showman, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, he was a very good showman, in fact. He was a sharp dresser and all. Everywhere we went, the ladies was, were around him, and he, he was something. Uh, that band was, uh, that was the best band I've ever been in. So we talked yeah. about the Tiny Bradshaw, some Hank Ballard. You were on Little Willie John. Yeah sessions you were on bull moose jackson sessions you were on sessions that involved the stanley brothers you had to deal with uh cowboy copas which we don't have to get into too deep right yeah. uh you, you ranged on so many different well, folks yeah, I on had to. hundreds of sessions that crossed all sorts of genres all coming out of that king spot yeah well uh after I had been uh, recording with Tiny Bradshaw for a while, Sid Nathan came up to me one day and he said, I want you to be the drummer for the King, whole King family. So I said, what do you mean? He said, all the artists in King Rackets, we want, I want you to record for. So that kept me in Cincinnati because I was getting ready to leave, you know, really. Mm -hmm. would, but, you go, uh, would you have went back to New York, do you think? Yeah, that would have been a bad decision. It's, uh, uh, I was tired of New York. When Tiny Bradshaw called me, I was happy to come down to Cincinnati because it was someplace new to go, something new to to hang on to, you know. And uh, he offered me the job, and uh, I just fell into it. Oh, he said, uh, I would like for you to go to UC, School of Music, Conservatory. So he paid for me to go to UC for two years. You didn't know that, did you? Mm -hmm. That's great. At yeah. that point, the Conservatory of Music was yeah. in the parking lot, which, which is now the parking lot between Memorial Hall yeah. and Music Hall, correct? Yeah. So uh, I was thankful for that. Well, we always talk about uh, one of the special things about King Records is 
is how it uh, crossed the lines, crossed the genres, uh, especially back in the day, and and the diversity of that label, and the fact that you were asked to be a part of, you know, these Tiny Bradshaw and 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 Hank Ballard and Little Willie John, but then also the Stanley Brothers and yeah. Cowboy Copas. I mean, that's 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 something you just don't sure. see. I don't feel like you see musicians crossing those lines quite like well, that. Well, certainly anymore. not at the time. Yeah. Well, especially back then, yeah. I've paid my dues now. Oh, I don't doubt it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I paid my dues. And uh, not not only paid my dues in the recording session, uh, you know, that was before uh, civil rights. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, I had to travel with Tiny Bradshaw. I had to travel all down to the South. And uh, I wasn't very welcome someplace. Sure. Yeah, but I, I I got used to it. Yeah, you know, and uh, and did you do any traveling with folks like Cowboy Copas and Stanley Brothers, or was that all no, just strictly no, session? Not, that was a little too soon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not just yet, <laughs> but session wise. But still, you were there you and you were about, doing it. You yeah. heard about Cowboy, Cowboy, Cowboy Copas, didn't you? What he did to me? No, I've not heard that story. Yeah. Yeah, he, well, Sid brought him in, uh, and Sid said, uh, Phil, he said, I want to introduce you to the Cowboy Copus. Uh, this is uh, what I was telling you about. He had a whole lot of old wax that he had made and uh, with no drums on it, you know, just a lot of mm-hmm. country tunes with mm-hmm. no, and he wanted me to put drums to it. So I had, for about two months, I put headphones on and listened to tapes of country music. And I'd put a drum beat in there, you know. Sid sold those tapes and made more, a lot of money. He was thankful for me to, for doing that. Anyway, Cowboy Copas came in, and uh, he stood up right behind me. I could feel him behind me, you know. I couldn't see him, but he was standing right where you couldn't see. So I said, uh, he said, hey, boy, how you doing, boy? I looked at him, I said, I'm okay, boy. How are you, boy? He looked at me. He's, I said, what you going to play, boy? He said, he was, he was flabbergasted. You know, he said, uh, he said, well, I'm going to play something like this. Then he started playing. And uh, I started, I came in with a drum beat. He said, that sound pretty good, boy. I said, I wish you'd stop calling me boy, you know. So I think I got respect from him that that day for that because I spoke up. But that's that was that was the times. Mm-hmm. That's the way it was. I remember uh, we were down in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, with the band, and uh, our manager had taken a laxative the night before, and he had to go to <laughs> the bathroom. Yeah, and uh, we pulled up to this gas station. It said, uh, "Use the bathroom." With the fill up, you had to fill up your tank in order to use the bathroom, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went with the manager in into the filling station because they always picked on me. That's Phil. That's Phil. He's he's from New York. He he's nothing. He's not afraid <laughs> of anything, you know. So uh, I went in with him, and he he bought the tank of gas, and and I asked the guy, "Could he use it?" Yes. That guy said, "Yeah, you can. You use the restroom." So he went to the restroom. And that's when it started. A lady came in with a little boy, and 
the little kid wanted to go to the bathroom bad, you know? So then this guy at the film, the film station knocked on the door. said, come on out of there, boy. Come on out of there. We got a lady here with a little kid wanting to go to the bathroom. So he couldn't come out at that time, you know? So uh, the guy walked around the, the back of the, the film station. I said, oh, hell. Anyway, he came back, and he had a rifle in his hand. But he was holding it by, and uh, he said, "Boy, I told you to come out of there." So I can't think of our manager's name, but he was so—I don't know what to say about him. He was—I I think that broke his spirit. He—he he, he didn't want to come out on the road with anyone anymore. But he—this uh, guy got so mad, he broke the door down on the bathroom. It was just a wooden door, yeah. but he tore it down. And there was our, our manager sitting there on the toilet with his pants down around his knees. And this little boy and his mother, we all looked. like We were shocked, you know. We got in the car and drove around two or three blocks away from there, and we cried, all of us just cried because we, we were so hurt, you know. I wanted to go back to New York then, but I got back to New York and I got back to the— the uh, King Records, and uh, I told some guys about it, and they told Sid, and Sid had some nice things to say, you know, and he had some money for me to make, so I forgot about it. But those are the things that happened. It's amazing that, you know, to hear that story, I mean, obviously none of us here can really relate to that kind of uh, travel yeah. and that kind of interaction with people. And, I mean, at that point, you're almost on like a... Um, it's almost a mission. To, yeah. You're like bringing music to people, and then they're, you're sort of fighting this uh, yeah. bigotry. It I mean, was strange. Like I remember playing, uh, playing big, big dance or a fair or something. They would have white people on the first level, Indians on the second level, and black people on the third level. And by the time the night was over. Everybody was dancing with another, and they were having a good time. Because music bridges yeah. all those all right. those made up uh, walls that right, right. So uh, it's something I, I love it though. I love this business. It's a great. You've had yeah. a, an amazing um, career, and yeah. it sounds like you've seen some super yeah. uh, well different perspectives than we all have. That's which is right. really cool. Well, I, I tell it's cool this. now for us to hear it. I mean, yeah. when you were living it, I'm sure it was. I tell that story because it's not all. It wasn't all fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You're saying you went around the corner and it's, you guys it was were dangerous, weeping. really. Yeah. And my God, and and while you're while you're experiencing this, you're not thinking it's okay because I'm defining American music. I'm no, changing the course right. of American music. It'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah, no I'll be idea. recognized someday. Yeah. My, my God, you're, you're you're thinking, what in the hell am I doing with my life? Yeah. And why am I here? And yeah. and and what am I doing? You know. Right. But uh, but by God, thank you for for doing all that you've done, and being here to tell us the story right. at the end of the day here. Uh, and 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 uh, I'd like to thank you for all of your contributions to uh, not only. Cincinnati, but but American cultural oh, and, and music and, and rock and roll and, and everything else. We appreciate it. That's why we're here doing this yeah. because we we want all of this to be for everyone to know about this kind yeah. of stuff. I wondered who it was when I was told about this. You know, when 
Elliot told me. I said, I wonder, if it's very nice of you guys to, to do something like this. I appreciate it because uh, that's that's the only way general public is going to know. You know, you have to tell them. You have to sit, sit them down and tell them. They appreciate the fruits of all the hard work. You yeah. know, they they love to watch Beyonce on the Super Bowl. Yeah. But they don't, they don't know what work went in. Or maybe they do, but, you know, the work yeah. that went in years and years ago to open up everything and to bring everybody, you know, the arts and the creativity, and it's awesome. Yeah, I've met some uh, nice people, too. Elliot's one of my best friends. I've been knowing him for so long, and uh, he's always got something good to say. You know, He's the kind of guy that uh, he'll call me at home, and we'll talk for an hour on, on – uh, on on the phone, you, you say about what? Hey, Just I know about that. El- Elliot's called me too. I I know where you're talking about. That. <laughs> yeah, it's true though. He he he's the catalyst. He's yeah. really really honestly one of the catalysts behind right. all of this in terms of exposing right. all of the the unknown history. Yeah, I mean, you talk about you know how you well you've been received by the city just in the last ten years. And you got to give a lot of credit to Eddie, Elliot for a lot of what's happening there oh, yeah. and, and bringing back the recognition. Exposing uh, all the history that's there. I mean, it's that's the thing. Yeah. it's It's been an amazing community that's been growing. And Phil, thanks so much for being out there to tell your story. Yeah. Yeah. Even at times when I know – I mean, I think there's still a lot of ways to go. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, sure. and, and it's been great to see that growth and that – growing respect hmm. still not where it needs to be but the progress has been amazing and it's been amazing to see so many folks get involved i mean all of this i mean and then to have have you like say participate in the ribbon cutting of herzog music about a year ago sure. yeah. let alone hmm. be like a regular customer to come into the to the store i mean i mean that's 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 mind-blowing in in a lot of ways but you know you, you Telling you that story that uh, you've been a part of and making new history every step of the way, being a part of something like this is just a real blessing and honor for us all to be for sure together with. Well, I, I I've done I've done radio for 18 years. I've interviewed a lot of rock stars and hung around a lot of rock stars, and this right here is maybe the coolest conversation I've ever had. It's it's been a lot of fun, and uh, can't say enough how much we appreciate you being here. Uh, would love to hear one more song, and hopefully, before too long, get you back here in here and do this again sometime. I'll be I'll be happy to do it. Absolutely, Elliot. Can you join him for another song? Yeah, I'm going to do something that I don't even know the title of, and I'll do it as a segue because I'm thinking about you know I'll I'll share something else about Mr. Paul. He is a uh, an incredible person all around beyond all this music and culture. So when my daughters, uh, when there was still a music program going on at a school, he would join up each year and come and bring flowers for her as a grade schooler to join up for her performance when she's playing trumpet in support. And uh, I'm going to do a song that uh, I pulled from something uh, related to Josie. But uh, Phil, we'll, we'll, we'll wing this one. My little darling has an angel that came to her one night. My little 
darling has an angel that came to her one night beautiful angel bright with golden stripe she did not know if she was asleep or awake but my darling's angel moved her arms and wings. My little darling has an angel that came to her one night. My little darling has an angel that came to her one night. Beautiful with golden stripe She did not know if she was asleep or awake But That was fantastic. Thank you guys once again. Uh, the legend, Philip Paul, bass player Matt Holt, and uh, uh, Elliot Ruther on vocals and guitar. Such a treat. Thank you guys so much for being here with us on this episode of Lost on the River. Thanks also, of course, to Rachel DeRocher. Good People Festival happening July 22nd at Baker Hunt Museum in Covington. Check it out. And, of course, Grateful Grams. Fantastic. Graham crackers available in retailers throughout the region. Big thanks to our sponsors, the Thunderdome Restaurant Group, bringing you favorites like the Eagle, Maplewood Kitchen and Bar, Kruger's, and Bakersfield. Also, thanks to Autos in Covington and Eli's Barbecue, the Cincinnati USA Music Heritage Foundation. Of course, thanks to our engineer, Clint Stevenson, producer Matt Spalding. And uh, for our intro and outro music, big thanks, as always, to All Seeing Eyes. I'm Aaron Sharp. He's Bill Furby. That's me. He's, he's Elias Leisering. I can't talk. And we will see you for episode 13. Oh, lucky episode 13 coming up next with Lost on the River. We got some uh, big stuff for that one. I, I, have, I have one request, last minute request yes, here. Yes, yes, please. Uh, why don't, uh, as we fade out, uh, of course we always have our uh, outro music by the All Sing Eyes recorded here at the Herzog Space. If we could have a little medley, perhaps, of some of the tracks that Mr. Philip Paul has played on over the years as our outro for the program. Let's do that.